I shit you not, showed the entire underneath of the car. And it, w- it, it startled the photographer so much he didn't take a picture. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today, classracingtoday.com. This episode 37 brought to you by Gutters by Design, Tim Stickles, now serving Seacoast, New Hampshire, Southern Maine, and Massachusetts, offering the industry's premier gutter system. They feature a five-inch channel, scratch guard finish that comes with a lifetime warranty. Uh, Call today for your free estimate, 603-953-4640-603-953-4640. Thanks, Tim, for sponsoring this episode of Class Racing Today. Uh, Brian, you're back in studio today. You have no reason to to not be here because it's raining. How are you? It just keeps raining. (laughs) Like five inches Saturday. Another inch today. Our MCR race season is officially over. My race car is broke. It's like kind of gloomy out there. (laughs) What else is there? Like kicking rocks today, man. But they did have a... Much better here. Gray, haven't seen the sun in about three days here either. So I don't know what's going on. It's called pollution. (laughs) Smog. You live live where there's too many people, Bobby. (laughs) How'd your, uh, how'd your many, race go this weekend? Too many sh- blank people. Uh, what would you say? How'd your race go this weekend? Uh, what did I do? Oh, yeah. Division one, Cecil County. I was driving well, and I lost in the third round. 009 light. Screwed it up at the finish line. I was racing one of them faster cars. Took a little bit too much at the straight. Did a huge wheelie, though. I had my best 60-foot time in years. So I don't know what that was all about. And I was just holding a little bit too much. And uh, that was the end of my weekend. And we had, it, it was an exciting race, though. We had, we had heads up final, double A stock automatic, heads up. And we had a first time winner in super stock in Packlade, who literally was about to go home the night before because he was so frustrated. So it, was, it, it turned out to be pretty good, despite. That's kind of my lucky deal. Like when everything goes wrong and you just think there's, no possible way of like any way anything good could come out of it. It just seems like that's where you have to step it up and drive your best. Like that's my MO. Sometimes it takes the pressure off where you're like, all right, nothing's going right. Yeah, nothing At least to if lose. I just lose right now, I can go home and then you win. Okay, I'll stick around for another round. And then you win six more rounds in a row, and then you're like, Oh my god, that was amazing. The driver with nothing to lose is the most dangerous out there, right? Yes. Well, the last yes, indeed they had pretty good races uh, in Cedar Falls for our MCR race. Um, our roving reporter Stephanie Decomo sent it to us, but we missed it before we did Flash News, so we apologize. Thanks for sending that in. Sorry, uh, Stephanie. Saturday, Jason DeForest took out Corey Hopkins in the final, um, and Sunday, Jason Shepard over Dylan Jans. So DeForest is always in the hunt. That. Uh, so it was cool to see him win again. And Shepard, I think that's the first time he's won in our MCR stuff. So he's running an old, uh, if I remember right, that's Al Corda's old yellow Superstock Firebird he's running. So it's cool to see that car back out. Congratulations to Jason and Jason. I know DeForest has a 05 Cavalier GT, like C automatic. 
Um, I'm not sure if he had that car or if he had his Camaro. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's got multiple. Wouldn't it be nice to have two fast cars? You should really get out of the Fords. Yeah, no. (laughs) I can tell just by looking at the at the guide, the Chevrolet guide, the 1969 Chevrolet guide, where I see five rows of Camaros and you go to 1965 Ford, you see like one row of Mustang. I never realized how many combinations Chevrolet had just for one car. Just insanity. But what? speaking of 69 Camaros, <laughs> I say wait. <laughs> Speaking of 69 Camaros with 427 cubic inch motors in them, I mean, that's what I was about to say. Our our heads up final, our double A stock heads up final was between a 65 Coronet with a Hemi 426 in it versus a 427 ZL1 69 Camaro of Anthony Fetch. And now we have another 427 ZL1 69 Camaro guest. Actually, she has two of them in stock and super stock. Today on the show, we have... The recent winner of the Dallas NHRA Fall Nationals, Ms. Brenda Grubbs. Brenda, how are you? I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for joining us. So, Brenda, to, uh, to us race, uh, race goers, I mean, I've seen you um, at the track driving both your cars. They're both painted the same scheme. They're, they're nice, cool cars, too. Big muscle power plants. and um, I wanted to know like a little bit about these cars here. You, you always go to the races with your husband, Bill, and he's like, he seems like a number one crew chief here. The guy is always right there with you. Um, you guys are doing it together. It's great. You even have a dog now that's joining you too, but, um, yeah, let's go into these cars a little bit. So how long have you been racing these cars and who built them? Like, give us a little background here. Okay. So I have, we have owned our stock limited, Stock Eliminator car since I think it was about 1997. Um, it was back in the day. We had only been married for a couple of years. Um, Bill had gotten interested in racing. He had never been to a drag race prior to meeting me. And he wanted to have a race car. And at the, at the time, I said, no way. Um, it, because either the wife is not involved or she just goes and sits. Um, and it's a lot of money. And I said, no. And he kept after me and after me and after me. And finally, I said, well, what if you what if I drive? And he said, OK. Um, and so we had no money, but um, we managed to scrape to, straight some money together and bought a uh, 69 Camaro. That was a street car. And um, we started racing in the street class at Holt um, Emerald Coast Dragway right near Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And um, we just kind of figured it out. We were very, very green. Um, you know, we had, we arrived at the track. Um, he was a, a military guy, clean cut guy. And, you know, oh my gosh, the, the wife drives. Um, we were definitely entertainment for a lot of the local racers. Um, so we, that's how we started out. We saved our money, um, you know, and, and built the car up to obviously where we are today. Um, and, and I will correct you just, you know, you said that my husband goes with me. He did not go with me um, in the early days very often. I raced by myself. Um, and actually, I had a whole year of racing by myself after I won the IHRA World Championship because he was deployed um, overseas. So, but since wow. I've had the big block in the cars, yes, he, he always goes with me and, and races with me. And he's, he's obviously a, a huge part of this program. 
know, there's there's so many times that people, you know, focus on the driver, but it's not about Bill. It's not about Brenda Grubbs. It's about Bill and Brenda Grubbs. Um, we've had the super stalker, gosh, um, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, 10 years. Uh, when we first bought the super stalker, when we got it home, Bill liked nothing about it. And so it was completely redone. And it was a process um, of getting it redone over, over, I think it was seven years or something crazy. In the time that we were re redoing it, we moved. It had to go into storage for a while. Um, so it debuted, I think, three or four years ago. All right. So you guys were, you were originally from Florida then? So uh, we, we started racing when we lived in Florida. Um, and so Bill was in the military when we got married. And um, he was special operations at a Holbert Field. And that's when we started racing. If you, if you ever look at my stalker, it does have a Florida license tag on it for Okaloosa County because that's where the uh, race car was, quote unquote, born, if you will. Our super stalker has a Texas tag because that's where it was officially debuted. It was officially born. Excellent. All right, so now you guys reside in Magnolia, Texas, correct? We do. We live um, just outside of Houston. We moved here about eight years ago from Tampa. All right. So, and the reason that the, the cars are identical is um, because I couldn't decide on a color for the Super Stalker, quite frankly. When we, when we first raced the um, Stalker, it was blue with a black top, so it's always had a vinyl top. Um, we did paint it red. I think it was around 2008 and then you know I was just going back and forth on colors and, and complementary colors and what would look good next to each other and so on and so forth and I just got kind of got tired of trying to make a decision so we decided to paint it this exact same color as a stalker. Who painted them? Um, Jimmy Hutto painted um, the super stalker and then a gentleman in Orlando Florida painted the soccer years ago. Oh, two different painters. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, we also live in two different places. Right. So as far as building the cars, did you guys do a lot of that yourself or did you have some uh, shop help? Or? Um, so, so Bill is, is um, always built the cars, if, if you will. I mean, he's always been in charge of it. You know, obviously the stalker started out as a street car. And so, um, you know, along the way, we, we made modifications. He got the necessary help where he needed to, but he definitely oversaw everything um, pertaining to the stalker. As far as the super stalker, when um, it was all quote unquote rebuilt, it went to B&B race cars and had the, so it's a B&B chassis. That's pretty cool. So but the, the... Yeah, Bill does all the work on the cars um, with the exception of, of the, the motors. Um, Bill is is very advanced. I will say he could work on a pro stock team. He is a um, engineer by degree and loves to figure things out. Um, we've got all kinds of sensors and computers on the car and and so on and so forth. So he um, he like I said, he could work on a pro stock team. I'm guessing the military background doesn't help with or probably helps a lot with just the meticulousness and the. Exactly. attention to detail and yes and, and if he were here he would tell you you know from a safety standpoint my wife's in that car so it has to be safe um you know it's it's i've got a, a funny car cage for example in the super stalker um so safety first i wear the 
you know, the heaviest fire suit. Um, and, and I've got a fire bottle, a fire, fire, fire extinguishing system in both cars. Just safety. Safety has got to be number one. That's right. pretty, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Idea. Yeah. It's yeah. making me second get, you know, thinking about what I don't have in either one of my cars <laughs> right now. So, yeah. So would... in, in, I'm sure you're going to probably ask me how I got interested. Um, I grew up around it. My dad, Bob Lundholm, raced. Um, you know, I, I was a girly girl, but I absolutely loved going to the track um, and had, you know, the experience of, of going to the track with my dad. Um, this was when we lived in New Hampshire, so we raced out of New England Dragway, and I worked in the tower at New England Dragway. Um, I also drove a souped-up Nova in high school that most people thought was my boyfriend's car, but it was actually my car. <laughs> so um, that's kind of how I got started. Um, then, you know, unfortunately, my, my Nova was stolen. When I got it back, I, I didn't really have the desire because it came back with you know some, some damage and so on and so forth so got a little bit away from racing and um was living in atlanta at the time and and bill and i were dating long distance and when he would come up to visit me he would go to the races with my dad and then just got interested in racing and that's how you know i mentioned earlier he wanted to get a car so he again he'd never been to a drag race prior to to uh going to one with me and so it's, um, it was fun. The early days for a short amount of time, I knew more than Bill. And like I said, that was a short amount of time. <laughs> I like how you soft sold him into it. Like, Hey, you should go hang out with my dad this weekend. I don't you know where he's really going. I think did. he's going racing. I really did. He just, he just really enjoyed it. Um, again, having that engineer mind, um, he really liked, um, the fact that stock had specs, you know, you have certain limitations to get the car to be fast and consistent. And he was just really fascinated by it all. So, had he had much history in racing or anything before that or cars? Had he been into cars no, or just? No, not at all. You know, and I think my dad actually thought he was just going, you know, to try to be on the good side of the, the dad that, you know, of the, the girl that he was, he was dating. But Bill really, really liked it. Um, well, that's why he started going. Come on. Uh, probably so. Maybe so. But... <laughs> I think there's some days that he likes it way more than I, but, um, he would tell you no, but he definitely, I mean, he does, he does great with this operation and he works tirelessly, tirelessly. He is the, you know, the brains, the, he's everything behind this operation. I just drive. Well, let's, let's give credit where credit's due though. He has the easy part. Like all he has to do is make the mechanical thing work. You have the drivers and the strategy and all the other stuff. So just making the car work from an engineer standpoint, in theory, it's going to work perfect. Yeah, but that's, that, that's a lot of it. You know, I mean, if you've got a good car that you, you definitely, it certainly increases your chances of, of winning. So, um, and, and, you know, I mean, he's, he's my biggest supporter. I mean, he's, he's there through everything. So I, I, I do give credit where credit is deserved. I would say the operation is 80% him, maybe 20% me. Bobby knows what that's 5% like. Percent the dog, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. You forgot five percent, Charlie. I know. I was gonna say I need to do we need redo that math. It's probably bigger you for Charlie. 80, 15, and five. Yeah. Charlie's got his own fan club at the track. People don't <laughs> come to to the, our pits to see us. They come to see Charlie. We're an afterthought. What kind of dog is Charlie? Charlie is a 11 month old golden retriever. He is our first dog. 
uh, ever. So, and he loves the races, he loves the motorhome, um, you know, he loves people. So we, we were really blessed that we got a dog that loves to go to the track. <laughs> That's great. Well, back on the car here, who builds these 427s? Now, I know you said Bill does a lot of work uh, building the, the cage and the car and the spent, you know, all the other things, but the motor yeah. work. Our motors are built by Jason and Lance Line. So we have got Line Performance. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. No wonder if the cars run so good. All right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> a, it's a great partnership. Um, we're extremely happy with, with Jason and Lance. Um, just a, a first class operation. And then we've got uh, ProTrans for our transmissions. Another big name right there, ProTrans, now yep. in Texas. Now in Texas, which makes it nice because we can drive our, our, our transmissions to Waco. Yeah, much better than shipping them to California, I guess, huh? Exactly. And they, they've, they've been, you know, really great with customer service. They were actually able to make us a, um, a gear set that helped calm the wheel stand and the stocker down significantly because we've had you know, some challenges over the years with too big of a wheel stand. Um, and I personally don't like big wheel stands. Oh, come on. It takes all the fun out of it now. Yeah, you can still do a wheel stand. It just doesn't have to be where you see the entire underneath of your car. So <laughs> when we first put the, uh, the 396 in, so when I first started, I ran a small block. And when we first put the 396 in, we had the wrong gear set in the transmission. And the first launch, I shit you not, showed the entire underneath of the car. And it, it, it startled the photographer so much he didn't take a picture. So um, he did get it on the second one. Um, you know, of course, Bill said, no matter what you do, don't get out of the gas. So that baby came up high and I just stayed in it. Of course, by the time I got back around to the pits, I was shaking like like crazy because it was so high. And, you know, I just had never done anything quite that that extreme before. Yeah, definitely stay in it. Don't don't. Yeah. People tend to panic, let off the throttle and then boom, smack it down. And there goes your oil pan. You know, not, yeah. not to mention, think of how much more cleaning you have to do. Like if you're always showing the underneath of your car, like you have to get under there, mist and shine that exactly. every race. Yeah. Like, that's why we don't do big wheel stands. We don't want to clean the underneath of the car. Bobby, <laughs> Bobby, you won't understand. That's a Chevy issue. Fords don't really have that. So. Hey, somebody sent me a picture of National Dragster. You can see my whole the underneath of my car right now too. I hope it's all right. Were they on it? Was the was the photographer on like a creeper? Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was laying under it. Oh. Um, <laughs> so and in uh, my. Uh, Superstock was actually built not to do big wheel stands, built to drive out more like a pro stocker. And that's so you, what you're supposed to do. I mean, that's that saves the uh, that, that's better for the ET. That's better for forward momentum. It's just not, you know, it's not yeah. as photo friendly. And uh, that's the uh, lifelong argument I have with my father all the time. He wants the car to drive out and lower, and I want I like doing big wheelies so. <laughs> It's uh, we're gonna argue about this till till then, you know. Then I guess you need two cars, Bobby. Right. So that you can, like my stalker, you can do a big wheel stand, and my super stalker, you can just drive it out for your drive dad. It out. Appease one person, appease the other exactly. person. That's right. Exactly. Well, if you so can't, let's talk about what you do when you're when you're not racing, Brenda. You uh, 
You make a lot of Cheerios, right? I don't make the Cheerios. I sell them. So I, I work for General Mills. Um, I've worked for General Mills for 15 years. Um, and I manage our division's largest customer, Cisco Foods, here in the Houston area. I used to travel pretty extensively. I don't travel much of, at, at all anymore. Um, so that's what one of the reasons that we were able to get a puppy. We were able to get Charlie a year ago. So yes, he is a COVID puppy. Um, so, but yes, I've got a pretty big busy job um, that keeps me busy. Fortunately, I do have flexibility where I obviously I work from home. And so when we travel racing, I am able to work from the motorhome, work remotely. So that's nice. In the past, I've we've had a lot of races where I've flown in and out of um, just to, you know, go see customers, maybe in between races or whatnot. But it, it's definitely been, you know, a huge blessing to have the flexibility in, in my job. Did you work out of home pre-COVID? I did. Yeah. I've worked, I've worked out of my house, um, pretty much for the last 20 years or so. COVID has been an advantage for people that used to have to go to the office. Now you can do it from the racetrack as long as there's good service. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I would say the only downside now is, um, you know, everybody wants video calls. And so prior to COVID, nobody knew where I was. Now, you know, everybody's like, oh, Brenda, you're in your motorhome. You know, where are you? What are you doing? Kind of thing. So I need to work on uh, getting a different background, I think. Yeah. Get a green I mean, I screen. The same. <laughs> exactly. Tutoring kids from the motorhome at, at the track, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and then, you, you know, of course, when you're on a call, you, you have to try to, to, to muffle the outside sounds because inevitably you've got the, the, the racer next door who decides to warm up his top dragster while you're, you know, on a conference call with your director or something. <laughs> so. try, to, try to schedule your calls early and Paula Cotton's out there at 7 o'clock in the morning warming her car up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't give Paula a hard time because I'm right there with her at 7 in the morning, so... <laughs> With two cars, you got to be up early, and you gotta you gotta get them warmed up. So, it is a lot of running around. So, honey nut Cheerios sell more than regular Cheerios, right? Um, it depends. They kind of flip flop back and forth between one and two. Wow. So surprising. Yeah. Now you also are a writer for National Dragster. So tell us how you got into this, and um, what any upcoming stories that we should be on the lookout for. Yeah, so uh, several years ago, I was approached by GM Performance to write for The Block, um, which was an online magazine, and they wanted me to write about me, which um, I didn't particularly like. I found it a little bit uncomfortable. And so after the first article, I approached them and just asked them if they, if they would be open to me writing about other um, stock, super stock racers. My first article ended up being about um, the... Copo drivers. This is when Copos were, were first coming out. Um, and then I just, uh, you know, wrote several articles for a couple of years for the block and then just trans, um, tra transferred over to the dragster. I don't know. I think I've written close to 25 articles now for the, for the, the dragster. It's um, my way of giving uh, some of the sportsman racers some publicity I don't get paid for it. Um, I don't consider myself a good writer. It's actually something that's very challenging for me, but I really, really enjoy um, giving the giving giving the publicity for, for the sportsman racers. I also enjoy telling people's story because so many times we just know each other as racers. We don't really know what 
what makes racers unique. Everybody has a story and it's fun to um, be able to tell somebody's story. My uh, most recent article is on Jessica Bogacki. And um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great story being obviously, um, you know, a, a racer in her own right, but also being married to Luke. Um, but Jessica's story is very interesting and just the history on how she got started in racing and how she met Luke and um, some of her passions outside of racing as well. And I'm working on uh, my next article, but um, I never tell who my next uh, feature is going to be. And then I've got a couple um, feature articles in the hopper. All right. And I remember reading the one that you wrote on Pi Dent. Uh, Wallace Dent, Division One racer, and I had never known he 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 played professional football for like the Cleveland Browns for a little bit. So he uh, that was great. So thank you for that article. I would have never known you know a lot about him. I've been racing with the guy for years, and yeah. um, so it was like another conversation that he and I had after you know when I saw him the next time. Yeah, Katie Sapanic. I mean, she was a big basketball player in high school. Um, you know, a super street guy, Ray Du. I mean, he was a surfer. I mean, it's, it's just really fun to, to, again, tell somebody's unique story. I don't write anything from a performance standpoint. You know, we don't, I don't talk a lot about their cars or their engine sizes, very little. It's really just from a um, more of a human, you know, human uh, interest uh, story. And I fit that in my writing into my job and my racing and my puppy training and my mowing of the lawn. And so it makes, it makes things busy, certainly. Yeah, no, that's admirable that you, that you get that in there and you do that and it helps all of us out. And I mean, your writing paired with, I'm hoping with this podcast, just trying to get more eyes on sportsman racing and stock and super stock, especially. Yeah. Yep. And I do write, um, you know, for the dragster a lot on stock and stock and super stock racers, but I also write, you know, the other classes as well. Um, even managed to write uh, an article about Mike Janus just because he and I have a history. Um, we both won the IHRA world championship at the, the same year and we were both living in Buffalo, New York. So. That's really, that's really cool. Though, like the articles and diving into the story on that. And I'm kind of curious as far as your, your take on like the future of the sport and where we're going. I mean, it's like your husband not knowing anything about racing, getting him involved now as involved as he, as he is now. What are your thoughts on how to grow the sport and get more people into it? Um, you know, on, on how to grow the sport, I, I think that, um, you know, we need to continue to introduce uh, kids to the sport. You know, I, I liked that. Um, the Dallas event, Chase Huffman, a super street racer, hosted a bunch of kids um, at the track just to get them interested and help them understand um, what racing is all about. I think that we need to continue at national events where we have huge crowds to um, showcase the sportsman racers, because if anybody wants to get into racing, they're not going to start at top fuel. Um, and they really need to understand the grassroots racing. Um, and, and I think it's just, you know, I love how, how Bo and, and Jason stepped up last year and Dave Connolly to, to host the big stock super stock race. Um, you know, I think that those are the things that keeps our sport alive and, and helps create continued excitement for us to, you know, reach other people, I would say, and reach, um, 
you know, reach the, the younger generation. Um, I would also say, you know, one of the things that always impressed me was the Nor Norwalk track, Bill Bader, senior Bill Bader, Jr. Um, they really know how to bring in the fans, even for the divisional races. And it, so, you know, it can be done. Um, I think a lot of it is, is just helping people to understand what's going on. You know, I know, again, when I first took, took Bill to a race, you know, he didn't understand the, um, the super classes, the stop and go cars. And so if you're just a, a fan that shows up, you know, a lot of times you don't understand if we're qualifying, if we're racing or, or what we're doing. And so I, I think that if we can, you know, continue to, to encourage the tracks to try to bring people in, I mean, there's no need to charge people a lot of money. I mean, they'll, they'll come and they'll, they'll eat at the concession stand and buy T-shirts, but we just need the fan base to come and to support because if you're a fan, that'll help to, you know, make that crossover. Obviously, the Junior Dragster program, you know, I didn't have that benefit growing up, but that certainly helps um, bring kids in. And, you know, how do we help people outside of racing understand that there is a Junior Dragster program that people can get involved in? It's probably a lot less than some of these sports that kids are involved in nowadays where they're traveling all over the country on airplanes and everything else. So, um, you know, race junior drags at your local track. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah. Absolutely. Some of these sports are crazy. Like I got friends whose kids play soccer and they're all over the country all the time. And I'm just like, that makes racing look really cheap. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I was surprised at how many of my friends are on airplanes. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, take a four hour drive for the weekend, but they're going across the country. To kick a ball. I don't get it, but I'm not really yeah. a sports guy. So. But, but they probably don't get what we do either, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm for, sure they for don't. <laughs> 10, 12 seconds on the track, you know, we sit around all day for for a few minutes, you know, and then we have to go back in the pits and sit around for some more. And so it is interesting when you, when you look at other people's hobbies and passions and, and we don't quite understand what they do, but I am quite certain they look at us and don't understand what we do either. Well, I'm pretty sure I can officially go on the record, and if I'm on a plane to go watch one of my kids do anything with a ball, just have an intervention because I've completely lost my mind. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> awesome. Well, well Brenda, every time somebody sees you at the track, myself included, getting ready to make a run, you have headphones in your ears. So I want to know what's on your playlist. So I, I really haven't had headphones in my ears in a, in ears in a while, um, but I do have a specific racing playlist, yes. Um, and so I, I guess I'm going to have to pull it up and see. Wait a second. I just saw a picture of you from this last win with headphones in your ears. No, and no, no. I personally saw no, you okay. with headphones it, in your no, ears it's, this it's year. It's for my radios. It's for my radios. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, – I, I play my music in my head when I'm not playing it in my earphones. So, um, yeah, it's, it, those are my radio. So, uh, if, if Bill needs to talk to me, which he doesn't really talk to me too much. Um, I'm sure if anybody's seen, seen Bill line me up, he lines me up, uh, using my rear view mirror because, um, I really, I really prefer that he not talk to me, um, unless, unless needed. Um, but it is there primarily, um, we had it when we were starting out in Superstock, and Superstock was very new to me. And 
and just, you know, if I'm sitting in staging and need him for something, that's when we really use the radios. But no, that's my, those are my radios. So what's your final song? Um, you know, I, I, I like, uh, I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but um, uh, there's a champion song by Carrie Underwood that I listened to. The Champion by Carrie Underwood. Um, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. The Best, Tina Turner. So, yeah, some of those are... Um, Classics. I was expecting, yeah. like, the final countdown. <laughs> no, no, so... Almost the same era, right? I, I mean, nothing would surprise me. I mean, my wife walked down the aisle to uh, Rocky, and we came out introduced to, like theme songs from the 80s so we i mean whatever you say is not gonna not I, gonna have any kind of weird opinions from this from this corner yeah. over here i thought you yeah. years ago um i was listening to my podcast and jason line asked me what what was in my podcast and i, I think i mentioned uh a couple songs from the 70s and he told me that i was dating myself so <laughs> I had, I had to get back and load some more current songs so that if anybody could, could ask me that again, I'd at least have something current to say, right? So Bobby's favorite song. Again. Bobby's favorite song is So Lonely, being the Ford guy. <laughs> hey, it's just music that gets you pumped up, right? I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily matter what the words are. It's just the music. Sometimes you don't want to get any more pumped up. Sometimes you're already amped up. Sometimes you need a put a put a classical uh, violin in there you know and and calm yourself down <laughs> i don't know i can tell you i've not listened to classical music in my race car before but i'll keep that in mind <laughs> that's only for the cars with the loud engines i guess maybe i'm losing my uh hearing in there on those launches but brenda it's been wonderful thank you for joining us today my pleasure uh, thanks for sharing your story and we're looking forward to another um uh issue in the uh, national dragster from you where are you headed next for your racing we are done i finished my season on a high note oh yeah so one of my goals has always been to win my last race of the year and uh we are fortunate to do that in dallas so we are it's official wrap of our year well congratulations on that we know it was your third nhra national event win and yeah what better what better way to go out and we're going out with a bang, a 004 light in the final too. That was that was very impressive. Stopping Jerry Emmons, uh, I think it was like a 14 or 15 round win streak. Uh, somebody yeah, it was his third final night. in three races. I was starting to think those Emmons were unbeatable. They were looking salty. <laughs> and we found their kryptonite now. Yeah, well, you know, you 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 got to go for it because because you, you know the Emmons are going to be there, so. You just sent Charlie over to their car before the round and let him look on him a little bit, and that's probably uh, the secret. Uh, Charlie was in the motorhome napping at that point. Here, pet my um, dog he, before we go up there. Yeah. Um, it was it was cool, though, because when I came up on uh, the return road in front of the stands, um, normally Bill comes to the end of the track to meet me, um, but he wasn't there. I was kind of wondering where he was, but when I, when I got to the um, – uh, in front of the stands, uh, he and Charlie were waiting on me. So he went to the motorhome to get Charlie. So that, that was cool. So that was Charlie's first, first winter circle picture. So it was awesome. It was a great day. So before you get off here, is there anybody that you want to thank or sponsors or anyone? I do. Um, I've got a whole list. 
So good thing you left a few more minutes. Um, I, I especially want to call out National Parts Depot, um, NPD. They have been a sponsor of mine for um, almost 10 years, if not 10 years now. Great customer service. They have a restoration parts company uh, with outlets all over the country. I'd like to thank Joy of Seating, Penske, VP Fuels, Mark Williams, Jessel, ARP, MSD, CP Carrillo, Goodyear Bullet, Fire Bottle, ATI, Edelbrook, and Total Seal. So we've had we've been very blessed to have some really great partners. Um, also Burn Stainless um, over the last you know years since since we started racing. So a big shout out and thank you to my partners. Wonderful. Yeah, sounds like you have a, a nice uh, bit of help there, and that's wonderful to see in sportsman drag racing. That gives us, you know, hope that it is still alive and well and hopefully growing from here. Yeah, well, thank you for what you guys are doing. Thank you for letting me be on the podcast and um, appreciate your support of Sportsman Racers as well. All right, thank you. Keep us updated in the off season. Let us know any cool changes you're making and where you head next year. See, let us know if you're going to head to Gainesville. Are you planning on starting your season there? That's the plan. All right, well, we will be looking for you. Thank you very much, Brenda. Have a great day. You too. Bye, guys. This is Class Racing Today. Thanks, Brenda, for hanging out with us for a little bit. ClassRacingToday.com. Thanks, Tim Stickles, Gutters by Design, for sponsoring this episode. Give him a call for your free estimate, 603-953-4640. Thanks again, ClassRacingToday.com. If you would like a T-shirt or sticker, send us an email, ClassRacingToday at gmail.com. And we will see you on the next one. Bobby and Brian, have a great week. We'll see you all next time. See you later.